0: And welcome to Defro Apology brought to you by Radio to Paul. We're back and we're both healthy this time. Thankfully I am back in commission.
1: Yeah, no more studio disasters. <laughs> Last week was really awkward because I it's how I learned the headphone jack on my laptop doesn't work. Oh. Very cool.
0: So, Misha, what is your fun fact of the week?
1: Um, my fun fact for this week is that last night, well, yesterday I was on campus for 10 hours, but I got to go to, a guest lecture about space archaeology, which was a lot of fun.
0: Mm. My fun fact for the week is I'm going back to Japan this summer and I'm trying to figure out, like, an itinerary, because I'm taking my two, um, my teenage nephew and niece with me, so I'm trying to figure out stuff to keep them occupied without going, uh, making myself bankrupt, like Monopoly, so... Figuring that out slowly but surely. So this episode, we're going to be talking about the topic of organ donation, which we've kind of talked about before, but not in great detail. So this is going to be a more in-depth episode on that subject. So first, we're going to start on the quick history on organ donation.
1: Yeah. And so in an article from the United Network for Organ Sharing, or UNOS... They have a little timeline on their website starting in 1954 with the first successful kidney transplant. Uh, Twelve years later, in 1966, they had the first simultaneous kidney and pancreas transplant, so two organs at a time. 1967, that next year, saw the first successful liver liver transplant. Uh, In 1968, there was the first isolated pancreas transplant and then the first heart transplant. 1981 it was the first heart and lung transplant in 1983 it was the first single lung transplant and the creation of the cyclosporine which is or cyclosporine which is a drug that like helps to prevent organ rejection because it suppresses the human immune system it's like an antibiotic
0: yeah some similar to that
1: Yeah, and then in 1984, we saw the National Organ Transplant Act, or NUTA, um, and it addressed organ shortages and made the Organ Procurement and Transplantation Network. In
0: 1984, we had the first double lung transplant. And also, by the way, when we say first, these are all first successful. So in 1987 was the first intestinal transplant, and the UNOS began collecting donor and recipient medical data, In 1988 was the first split liver transplant. In 1989 was the first living donor liver transplant performed. In 1990 was the first living donor lung transplant performed. 2001, for the first time, living donors exceeded deceased organ donors. In 2017, the number of deceased donors is above 10,000 for the first time. And by 2022, so last year, the U.S. reached 1 million transplants more than any other country
1: that's really interesting I'm I don't know
0: yeah I thought it would be more than that Surprising, like I know I know it's hard yeah. to get like organs but I thought there'd be more
1: I was really surprised at seeing like 1954 because that's like what 70-ish years ago yeah at this point that's I don't know
0: it makes you think about like how bad it must have been before that like people couldn't do anything if they had a bad organ yeah
1: Imagine uh, having no internet while you're figuring this stuff out. Yeah, you c- all the textbooks and all the notes and all the
0: yeah. Or like, do you know like people panic and they look up like Mayo Clinic or like random stuff? Like you <laughs> yeah. couldn't do that.
1: Uh, it makes me think of a. I've been going through some old ledgers at a cemetery, and there's a lot of like diabetes deaths because the ledgers that I'm looking at are from like pre-insulin days.
0: Yeah. Well, that's scary nowadays because you have to think about you've heard about the TikTok cause shortages for di- people with diabetes because there's certain medication people take if you're pre-diabetic that helps you lose weight quicker. Mm. And a lot of doctor, oh, a lot of like do- a lot either. of no, it's a lot of regular people too because mm. what's happening is a lot of doctors are just giving the prescription out to anyone who's a bit chunky or a bit mm. And they've they're overprescribed it to the point where people who actually are pre diabetic or have diabetes can't get it.
1: So stupid.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm, the what I like TikTok. Of course, it's good things like it's put like family restaurants back on the map, but it's also like caused stuff like this. So it's like I think TikTok needs to regulate anyone promoting medication very strictly.
1: Yeah, and I feel like we should throw like Instagram and Facebook under the bus too. I yeah, feel yeah. Like... Oh, meta I feel like
0: are. they. I feel like they did that before, but now in this current five-year plan, it's TikTok. But the past ten years, it was them too. Yeah. yeah,
1: and now like it feels like meta companies are left the hook a little bit more now because TikTok is like a little bit worse. Yeah, yeah. But it's still like a net bad. But anyways, anyways. Uh, the UNOS website also goes over the process for donating an organ. Um, so the first is transit. So emergency carers start like trying to resuscitate you probably if you're in an emergency and they contact the emergency room like while you are in the what's it called emergency car ambulance yeah (laughs) today's a good day and then (laughs) once you get to the hospital the er doctors and nurses will like evaluate you and See what they can do for you, and then you get transported into the intensive care uh, once you're like fully stable, and then you get more tests done on your body to see like like where you're at in terms of proximity to death, I suppose, and then if you are uh, brain dead, then they will declare that and that just means that there's an irreversible loss of blood flow to the whole brain which leads to like eventual brain death and then the donor's body is fully as- like supported by artificial systems like by technology and then there's the organ procurement organization and they will evaluate your body and send out specialized medical practitioners to see, like, if your organs are okay to donate. The OPO will authorize your body if your organs are okay, and they'll discuss with the doctor at the hospital and family and so on, and see, like, if they're already a registered donor, how the family feels about it, all that kind of stuff, and if the patient isn't signed up as an organ donor, then the family is the decision-maker.
0: Yes, yeah, so matching organs with potential recipients. The donor's blood type and body size is provided to the organ facilitator. The UNOS computer matches donated organs to potential recipients. This, this, the recipient selection is based off of blood type, body size, medical urgency, and the amount of time they have spent on the waiting list. It's also regional-focused. So, like, if you live in a... Re- like, if you're the first person in the region, then you're going to get the organ. If there's no one in that region who needs that organ or can match with that organ, then they go to a broader... They keep going broader till they can match someone with an organ. So, yeah. Offering organs regionally, nationally. Like I said, different geographic levels. First, locally, then regionally, then nationally. On um, placing organs in coordination, when matches are found at the transplant center where the re- where the recipient is, is called... The patient's transplant surgeon is responsible for deciding whether to accept an organ or not. If the surgeon decides to reject the organ, then the next patient on the list transplant sensor surgeon is called. The process happens for every organ until all organs have been properly matched. Then the organ facilitator makes time for organ recovery and arrival and departure time for the transplant surgery times. So then we have the surgical recovery of organs. When the surgery team arrives, the organs and tissues are recovered federal law determines that physicians recovering organs do not participate in the donor's care prior to, de- to determining brain death, which I think is very important.
1: Yeah, and then in the final steps, they prepare the recipients of the organs for surgery, and like, it's sort of happening at the same time the organ recovery process is happening at the donor hospital, and then once the organ arrives at the transplant area, then they do the operation and yeah and then the tissues eventually need to be sampled to be matched so the process occurs after the initial organs are matched and I think the the receiver of the organs has to go on like special antibiotics to like not get rejected and then there's the funeral and burial plans for like after all of your organs are gone the family kind of makes the decision of what happens to the rest of you
0: yeah and the good thing about um working with UNOs is they state that they're going to get um support like for the family for the donor family so like obviously it's not an easy process to take someone off of you know who's brain dead to like make the decision even if they've already decided to be an organ donor or if you decided to donate their organs it's just not an easy process so it's good to have people who are understanding listening to you who are going to answer your questions
1: and I was wondering like the UNOS website doesn't say this but like how tight of a turnaround is it between like when you get into like say like a car accident and when like the organs get transferred yeah
0: I wonder too because there has to be like a time limit when like the organs are most viable I would have to believe
1: yeah and actually like uh car accidents are very highly unlikely to give you like viable organs to transplant yeah that's just the example that's that's in my head that's true but it just have you ever seen that like law and order episode where like the 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 two main characters i forget their names uh I think it's Olivia and then the other guy. <laughs> yeah,
0: Benson and Spen- No, I'm thinking of Colonel Lines. I almost said Spencer Reed.
1: Oh, God. Well, anyways. Um, they're, like, trying to guilt this mom into donating her kids' organs, and she really doesn't want to. And then I think the doctor ends up taking the organs anyways without the mom's consent. I don't know. I don't really even remember what happened in the rest of the episode. I just remember, like- uh. Yeah, it's it's icky. I don't there's, know. There's
0: there's a very icky episode of Grey's Anatomy where so one of the doctors falls in love with her, her patient Ew. who's on the heart who's on the heart transplant mm-hmm. list, and so she fakes and makes she does something to make his thing seem worse than what it is, so he'll go higher on the list quicker, so he can get mm. the organ. So she like purposely messed with his like IV and stuff, so he'd be like so she can get the organ, and. She basically ropes in the other main characters at this point because if they don't help her now the guy's gonna die but they could all lose their license and it's like their best friend and they're all just like so mad at her <laughs> like, oh, I like
1: I thought I thought that was gonna end with like a no he died do you think you know what the worst that? part
0: is he dies anyway like she did all that and he died anyway and she basically wasted someone's organ like who could have gotten the organ cool I was like great she's she's a terrible character
1: I'm never watching that show. <laughs> it's like
0: seventeen seasons, like it isn't
1: Absolutely not. It's like walk- Walking Dead. The only like, it'll just never The only
0: thing die. you need to watch is the only quote you need to know from that show is on the first episode there's a girl who's Chinese and so she went to the one Asian resident and she's like, Can you help me translate please? She's been here for hours. She's like, I'm Korean and she walks away from her. It so it was so funny. <laughs> Uh, so, that's we're at the halfway mark of the episode. We're gonna be playing an ad, and your song of the week is Night Changes by One Direction, which I know Misha really appreciates. Um, so, yeah, you'll hear back from us soon.
1: It's radio, so you can't.
0: And we're back. I know you missed our voices already. <laughs> so, now we'll be talking about. Ooh, I lost my place.
1: Roo? How to sign up to donate uh, organs? That sounds
0: right. So, if you live in Illinois, you can sign up through the Illinois Organ and Tissue Donor Registry. So, if you're interested in becoming an organ donor in Illinois, you can visit the Illinois Secretary of State website and fill out the organ donor form, or you can v- visit your local Secretary of State office, which is how I did it. So, when I got my state ID. One of the things on the list is you can check if you want to be an organ donor and then it shows up on your state ID, which also would show up on your driver's license, I'm like 95% sure.
1: It does. Okay.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, or you can call this number, I'm going to read it slow in case you want to write this down, 1-800-210-2106. I'll repeat it one more time, 1-800-210-2106.
1: Fancy. Um, <laughs> if you live in Iowa... Um, They're going to ask you when you are getting your, like, driving permit or your driver's license or a state-issued ID. Um, If that catches you off guard because you are a little, little 14-and-a-half-year-old getting your license, then you can sign up uh, on iowadonornetwork.org. And I also know, like, if you go to the Iowa.gov website, you have to click around, like, a ton, but eventually you'll get to...
0: Yeah, I couldn't find it. That's why I didn't have anything when I wrote the script. I I went through it. I was trying to find, like, the Iowa Secretary of State, and literally nothing was popping up. I was like, oh my god, why is this such a struggle? But,
1: yeah, I, I said yes when I got mine, and I have the little heart on my license. I really like it. I think it's cute. I think you should say yes just for the little heart, to be honest.
0: Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> the only thing that was weird is, like, that I've noticed is it didn't have, like, on the, I think it was the Iowa or Illinois form. And, like, it just, ass- it just assumed you were donating every single organ. Like, it didn't, like, have, like, a thing about, like, what you felt comfortable with. It was like, oh, oh. you agreed to donating all of us. I was like, um, well, maybe that you can go over that with my doctor, with my uh first person. <laughs> but, like, yeah. uh, like, well, we'll
1: see. I know with some papers, they'll have, like, a specific designation for your eyes because yeah. some people feel some type of way about that I think that would be really cool I want somebody to like mess with my eyes that sounds fun
0: So this is the thing like I know I'm going to be brain dead or dead but like one of my biggest things in scary movies is anything coming near my eye like in a mm. horror movie so like I'm just imagining if I'm braided and I somehow woke up during the surgery and there's something near my eye mm. I would cry and scream at the same time. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but if you're in any other state, there are, like, local networks. Probably your state government website is the best option. Yeah. So. Okay.
0: So this is, like, oh, this one I had a lot of fun writing about is the organ registration rates. So the number, this is the number of adults registered as organ donors. Mm-hmm. So, and this is by COERF in 2019. So the top five states as of 2019 where Montana and 93% of adults are organ donors. Alaska at 92, Washington at 89, Oregon at 79 and Utah at 78. Utah? I guess there's a lot of Mormons who believe in donating.
1: Whoa, I thought that was like against their their stuff.
0: No, I think you're thinking of Jehovah. Probably. It's Jehovah, I'm pretty sure. Huh. Iowa ranks eighth, tied with um with a rate of seventy two percent. It's tied with Alabama. Ew. <laughs> Illinois is ranked thirty first, which is gross, and it is ranked with Vermont, tied at sixty percent.
1: Mm. I wonder why that is.
0: I think it's because there's a lot of people who are in Illinois who might be. I don't know if it's counting undocumented people oh. as well. Like, Mm. I don't know, like, because if you're in a major, like, people, places in more major cities have more undocumented people, or they also have more, like, more, like, communities who may not trust hospitals, like, it's...
1: Yeah. I feel like, like, in Montana, there just aren't that many Montanans in general. Yeah. So it is easier to, like, hit a higher number. And I just, I don't know how homogenous Montana is, but that's not the focus of this episode.
0: Yeah. Oh... I didn't get it. So there is an argument. By the way, so, sorry. There has been a push to make the donor process geographically equitable. Currently, each organ procurement, sorry, organ procurement organization covers a certain geographic area. And the organ it gets to go to is by the people in that area. So who's at the top of the list for certain organs? Many states have low registration rates, so there has been complaints that that is an equitable process however arguments is that so usually rural areas have higher registration rates the rural senators have been arguing that they have a less equitable health care system in general compared to more urban states and that if you took away their organ rights then they, their already bad health care system would collapse like the only thing that's really keeping their health care system is they have the organs so taking away their organs would really put a debt in their health care so it's which is why I think we need universal health care, but, you know, it's, that would be equitable for everyone, but maybe that's um, just me.
1: <laughs> and this, I, I know I'm, like, derailing a little bit, but I looked it up. Um, Montana is 85% fully white, and Iowa is 84% fully white. I don't know what it is for Illinois, but it's just from the census, quick facts. Let's see. Uh, Illinois is 60% like a full 20, 24, 25. Mm. Wait. Yeah. 25 to 30, I think percent difference. I can't do math on the spot, (laughs) but anyways, um, I started like, I didn't honestly finish, uh, this section about like different transplant stories and kind of the future of transplants. Um, Last year, I think? Yeah, it was last year, like early uh, 2022. There was that story you might remember of a man who received a pig's heart Yes, transplant. I remember that. And he died like two months exactly after it happened. And um, the article states that animal transplants to humans are called xenotransplants. And for this case in particular... And I think it's the first instance of this happening with a heart, like, specifically. They did gene editing on the pig to try to make it more human-like, with its organs at least. And then they also had to create, like, even more specific, like, special antibiotics for him to take for the rest of his life so it wouldn't be rejected. And there's no clear, um confirmation for how exactly he died like what the cause of death was like if it was related to the heart or if it was like a different complication but i think that that's interesting as like there there is potential there
0: yeah i I remember one of the things was like because they i think those like uh, organs get infected easier just because of the different species is i remember reading one of the articles.
1: Yeah, and then another thing that happened last year was an article from Stanford was posted, and you guys should probably just read the article for yourself because it's fascinating, but they're doing research into using stem cells to develop organs for transplanting specifically, like lab-grown organs, um, and so what they're doing so far is working with chimpanzees and... The idea is that if they can isolate chimpanzee stem cells and put them into a different species of monkey, and I think in this case they use, like, I don't know how to pronounce it, but a rhesus mac, Because it's like M-A-C-Q or something like that. Mm, yeah, okay, maybe I'd it's like <laughs> that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the idea is if those stem cells can be hosted in... A non-chimpanzee primate then and they can be grown into like different organs and stuff then that might also work with humans like humans could use their stem cells instead of a chimpanzee because they're like biologically like fairly close to us but yeah look at the article itself because oh my god yeah it's all know? really
0: fascinating
1: <laughs> and, and it also goes into like the ethics for the process, if that's something that you're interested in, because that's, I think, at the forefront of organ donation is, like, is this okay, and in what ways can this be, okay?
0: Mm. We're almost at our time, so it's time to do our outroduction. I love, I love the intro and outroduction.
1: <laughs> See, outroduction is a word; it's just not used very often
0: yeah we had this like thing i, I remember asking me she's like why do you put out in the script she's like it's a word i was like really it
1: is i looked it up because i was like wait there has to be right because it's not a conclusion for the show it's an outro that makes sense. i don't
0: know <laughs> thanks for listening to this week's episode and the next episode is going to be about sugar look forward to it which is going to be a very uh sweet episode <laughs> <laughs> visit your socials on instagram and Tumblr at deafropology d-e-a-t-h-r-o-p-o-l-o-g-y or email us at deathropology at gmail dot com it is the same spelling
1: Um, also I wanted to promote we have a Spotify account so there's the deathropology that's uploaded like through Anchor and then there's the deathropology where the music that we play for the intermissions is at it's also under deathropology it has the same icon listen to our songs
0: I don't know. Check us out. See you guys.
1: See you next week.